Hello and welcome to Criticism is Dead, a weekly culture podcast about what we're watching and what it all means, if it means anything at all. I'm Pelin Keskin Liu, a producer and writer. I'm Jenny Chijong, a culture writer and critic. This week we are excited to bring to you our end of year special. Hell yeah! Yeah, 2021, coming to a close. Really incredible. Um, so if you remember last year, we basically went through our favorite shows and movies of the year. Kind of purely subjective taste, but... This year we're going to do the same. And it might be coming a little bit early compared to some releases of films that are coming out. We will put some disclaimers on that. We just want you guys to have something to watch over the holidays, you know, just end your year on a tasteful bang. Yeah. Yeah. And we will, of course, be able to talk about whatever is coming out now in the future. So don't worry. Just just relax. Have, Have a nice holiday if you can. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But before we get into it today, Pellin, how are you doing? <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. That, that says it all. Uh, I'm doing okay, given the state of things. Mm. Um, honestly, this is the world we live in now, and I'm trying to just make the most of my break, because I'm on a break now. Mm, um, nice. How fun for me. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just going to try and like get some writing done over the holidays, do some yoga, stretch these 30 something year old muscles out. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Um, and hopefully, yeah, continue watching film and TV, provide the, the fans with the content that they so crave for the month of January. But that, that's pretty much it for me. I've just been, uh, yeah, just trying to stay safe and also live my life at the same time. How about you, babes? I guess same. Although it it kind of helps because my my usual routine as it is is to get up, do work, notice that it's dark and I haven't left to go outside like all day, oh, babe. Um, and then just like continue staying inside. So that is like my do typical I, day anyway. Um, do I need to send you some vitamin D uh, <laughs> capsules of some kind, babe? No, don't do that. Go outside a little bit, man. Uh, I did walk outside yesterday, and it was oh, it was good. nice. It was so it was so nice. Right? It was freakishly mild weather, which is you know great for for short strolls, but. Probably not great overall in the uh, grand scheme of things. No. Well, for some reason, I got I have like three mosquito bites on my neck. No um, way. From recently? Yeah. Literally from two nights ago. Jesus it woke me Christ. up. It This fucking prick woke me up at like 2 a.m., buzzing in my ear. I thought I dreamt it, and then I woke up this morning to like three or four bites on my neck. That is My horrific. neck? What the fuck? That's personal. The subtext is a text, bro. What is going on? That's personal. Uh, I know. Jesus. He hasn't, he hasn't shown his face since, so I think he's uh, he's had his fill for the winter. Well, um, that's one whole other thing to worry about then. I know. Else. Mosquitoes will be year-round, unfortunately. Jeez. Oh, uh hopefully we're all dead before that happens but yeah 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 <laughs> before yeah uh not to get too dark um so <laughs> <laughs> i guess this is a transition if anything to uh the real content of this episode which yes. is we're gonna <laughs> what you get came here for yeah we're gonna get into our picks for movies this year so yeah the assignment yeah the assignment was to come prepared with your top five of both movies and top five tv shows so mm-hmm. we're gonna start with movies we're going to kind of alternate our picks and just a note they're in no particular order because no. we didn't subject ourselves to ranking them which would be even harder than this already was but if there is a favorite we should feel free to say it yeah sure why not okay good so palin get us started what is one of your favorite movies from 2021 
So this is Maggie Gyllenhaal's uh, directorial debut. This is The Lost Daughter. It stars Olivia Colman, Dakota Johnson, Jesse Buckley, amongst like a whole other amazing cast. But they shot this over the pandemic. And it's an adaptation of the Elena Ferrante novel of the same name, which I haven't read. I haven't either. But yeah, this completely blew me away. These are themes that speak to my soul. Do you know what I mean? Like these these are the these are the things that I crave when I'm watching something, especially if it's a drama like this one. And I suspect we'll probably talk about this in a little bit more detail next year mm-hmm. uh, once we come back from our break. But yeah, this is um I would actually go so far as saying this is probably my favorite. Film. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm excited to watch yeah. it. Yeah. And again, this is a subjective take for me. So Yeah, these are I know all subjective. This podcast yeah. is subjective. This is, uh, yeah, I mean, all critics are subjective. Yeah, there's no such thing as objectivity. So, so No, no, yeah, no, no. no. Um, transparent but th- about that. Exactly. So this is uh, this is my first pick for for 2021. Nice. Yeah. My disclosure for movies is that I feel like I didn't really watch that many this year. So I had kind of a smaller pool to pick from. Our longtime listeners, you'll know that both Paul and I are slightly more TV people anyway. So just going to put that note out there to explain maybe some of my picks towards the end. But yeah, the first one on my on my list is The Green Knight, which Hell yeah. we talked about in an earlier episode. Oh, yeah. So of course, yeah. this is the, I'll say interpretation adaptation of mm-hmm. the Arthurian legend and I don't know. It at the time when I first watched it, it left me a little bit bewildered, but also like half a year later, obviously uh, since I'm talking about it right now, I still just can't get those images or the feeling, the atmosphere mm. of just like sheer wonder and perplexity yeah. at the mysteries of the world. Like I just can't get those out of my head even now. Yeah. So yeah. I think it left an impression and it's one I will remember for sure. Yeah. Good pick. All right, we're speeding through these. <laughs> so, yeah, this is going to be sort of a quick, by our definition, but a little bit of a rapid fire speed throughout this whole thing. Yeah. So next up on both of our lists, this is the first of one of our overlaps, is Dune. Mm-hmm. Dune is, uh, well, I mean, I said Lost Daughter. I think Lost Daughter is emotionally my favorite film, but in terms of my favorite movie, with a capital M mm-hmm. of the year. It's got to be Dune, man. Dune is obviously the Denis Villeneuve uh, film based on the Frank Herbert novels. This is the f- this covers the first half of the first book. And uh, obviously it's been doing so well in the box office that they're, just like they were planning, going to go ahead with doing the second half of that first book. I've seen this film th- three times now. So wow. um, it's definitely something that made me feel like A, cinema was back, you know, in terms of like emotionally what it did for me. Uh, after, you know, going on two years almost of, of pandemic fuckery. And, um, yeah, the themes surrounding the book I loved. And I think it was the best adaptation of something as complicated of, a you know, both book and the themes and everything around it. It's, it's a very, very true adaptation. Just the height of cinema, dude. Like everything was just firing on all cylinders. And I came away with it feeling like, yeah, I can't. I can't wait for this this franchise to be born and for me to be an absolute loser fan of it. <laughs> yeah. What about you? What What do you love about it? You know, I have to agree. Like, it really ticked off so many boxes that it was just excelling at uh, all around. It's like a great all rounder, and it did feel like a proper movie when I saw it. Although, of course, I saw it at home streaming on HBO Max instead of in the theater where I I probably should have seen it, but. 
Yeah, I mean, the performances, you know, the story, the pacing, the direction, and and especially, I think, the, the cinematography and just, like, the stunning, like, visuals mm. and vistas from this, it, it really, it cements it in my mind as, as one of my favorite of the year. So I really mm. have to agree with you. Amazing. <laughs> and what's next for you, Bellin? So I had a bit of trouble picking the spot for this one, but I ended up, like, even up, up until this morning, I was like, I don't know if I should pick this one or the other one. But I ended up going for Tragedy of Macbeth, which is oh. Joel Cohen's adaptation of the famous Shakespeare play, of course. This Denzel is with Washington. Dental, yeah. Yeah, okay. dude. Denzel Washington, Francis McDormand, a whole great body of supporting cast as well. But those two are amazing in this. Uh, the reason why I picked it, this isn't for everyone. And I think if you are a Shakespeare fan, I think this is, it's such a delight. This does not stray from the text, so it might not be for everybody. I still would love for everybody to watch this because it is an incredible showcase of how you adapt a play for movies and still make it feel like a play. So the production design is actually one of the best production designs I've seen of the year. Costume design as well. Acting. Acting. Just Denzel is amazing in this. And after I watched it, I was like, oh, every famous director should do their own adaptation of a Shakespeare play as like homework. <laughs> so you can kind of see the different interpretations fun. of it. That would be fun. Yeah. You know, just like one year of Shakespeare. Let's fucking go. Bro. Yeah, let's, like, get that, let's get that trending. Come on. Yeah. Like speaking of IP franchise, are you fucking kidding me? Like the first to ever do it, the Shakespeare stuff. Yeah. Um, but this was, this was honestly like I watched it in IMAX as well. It blew me away. It's just so, it's so, so good. And it should be coming out on Apple TV. Yeah. In 20, yeah, 2022. On Apple TV. Yeah. Next year. So we might circle back. We might not. We'll see. But yeah, that's, that's that for me. Uh, what's next for you? Speaking of Francis McDormand, oh. I got a shout out Nomadland, which yeah. feels like it came out forever ago at this point. Uh, it was really astonishing to look back at our archive and be like, oh shit, that was earlier this yeah. year that we talked about that for the pod. Yeah. So I think especially following like Nomadland's like release, the critical reception, uh, a lot has been said about Nomadland, you know, both good and bad. And I think there is like merit to a lot of the discussion that surrounds it. But at the end of the day, I, I still think that this is a good, well-made, very sort of like ponderous and, and lonely and bittersweet film, which is that kind of yeah. strikes all the notes that I like to see in, in my movies generally. No, definitely. Um, definitely. So same. I don't know this meandering tale of like a, a person on the road, like, I, I still, I think it'll remain in one of my top picks for at least a few years to come. Yeah, it's one of the best films to come out about class in this country, like in America, and what that entails and what capitalism and like what that really does to people. This is one of the best films. And I think in terms of the best looking, in terms of the best directed, this is also up there. So next up for me is Come On, Come On, which is the Mike Mills movie that came out in, I guess, the, the later part of this year. He, I think he's one of those directors that strikes a balance between like really thoughtful, melancholy themes, but also uh, the running undercurrent of like joy and happiness that runs through them. And I think Beginners and 20th Century Women were about his parents and this director became a parent himself. And I think Come On, Come On is about parenthood and what it is to you know raise a kid this stars joaquin phoenix and the best child actor of the year hands down 
And I just came away with it extremely teary-eyed. I did a lot of crying in this movie. And it also made me feel less ambivalent about the prospect of raising children myself, which is something that I'm very ambivalent about. But it is an honest depiction of what that what that might look like. And it's just very heartwarming. It's a very, very heartwarming film. And it's another film that's on my list that's shot in black and white, <laughs> including Tragedy of Macbeth. So I don't know what that says about me. But yeah, this was, this was a beautiful film, man. But what's next for you, Jen? So next on my list is The White Tiger, which uh, is another film that's from way back uh, earlier this year. This is a film on Netflix that we talked about for a previous mm. episode. It it's basically about in India how our, our main character ascends from this impoverished life in a tiny little village to basically becoming a professional driver and then the entire mess that he gets into and his journey to like claw his way to the top mm-hmm. of this very stratified like class uh, hierarchy. So it was just a relentless thrill ride, I think. And, you know, people talk about Squid Game, you know, there are a lot of movies that and TV shows, I think, that kind of deal with capitalism and, and class and uh, upward mobility or downward mobility that have become sort of popular or hot in these last couple of years. But I think The White Tiger should be on that list, too, if anyone's talking about those kind of things, mm. um, because it really is like a, at times brutal, at times just like, stab in the gut kind of movie about all those things and more and it was just a really not fun but definitely yeah dynamic ride to be on i agree so last on my list is actually one that is not going to come out until january 7th on amazon prime but it's on prime and because of that that's fantastic so a lot of people can watch it if they want to my last pick is A Hero, which is Asghar Farhadi's uh, latest film. Asghar Farhadi is one of Iran's best recent directors. Um, and if you've seen his film, A Separation, he's done a couple films since A Separation, but this is actually up there for me uh, in terms of his best films that I've seen. A Hero is fantastic. So it kind of follows the life of this guy called Rahim. He's in prison and then he, he gets given a two-day leave and he's in prison because of a debt. He's given a two-day leave and he basically has to figure out how to get his creditor to withdraw his complaint so he can go home and not have to be in prison anymore. And it's such a methodical unraveling of events that result in, you know, it, it talks about society, it talks about hero worship, it talks about morality, it talks about society's understanding of morality and, and the hidden parts of it and the exposed parts of it. It's just masterful. Like, Farhadi is at the top of his fucking game. So I really, I really want people to watch this film. There's no real violence in this. I mean, there is, but it isn't a violent movie. But the themes that it just kind of like slowly peels back like an onion it's completely torturous and you really feel like it, whatever message it's trying to send to you, it gives it to you in a way that doesn't feel obvious, but it slips under your skin and it kind of stays there. So I highly, highly recommend this for people to watch January 7th. And that's, uh, that's my top five. <laughs> What's your last pick? So to circle back to my disclaimer at the top of this uh, section, yeah, basically out of all the movies that I have seen this year, I will, Shout out the French Dispatch for my hey. final pick, which is, as we talked about in a previous episode, 
it's not the best film I've ever seen. Not even the best Wes Anderson, probably, but uh, still a nice movie and something that I enjoyed <laughs> watching, which is a the nice only movie. which is the only criteria we have for uh, this particular segment. So very true. Very true. I don't know. It's uh, it's charming. It's quaint. It's a uh, magazine literary love weaved into the fabric of its being. Uh, it's, it's a nice little, nice little Wes Anderson pick. It's a good so, little time. Yeah. 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 So that's it for me. Um, we do have some honorable mentions, yes. namely Pellins, but we will Sorry. save those for <laughs> our Substack. We will. So if you want to check out what those honorable mentions are, please check out criticismisdead.substack.com yes. uh, after you listen to this. Now moving on to TV, which is my personal favorite part of this whole discussion. Yeah, this is Jenny's bag. <laughs> I watch sure. I watch a lot of TV, but number one, I'll say, and I know we're not ranking this, but I'm gonna give it number one in my heart is mm. the Underground Railroad, mm. which uh, we talked about previously on an episode. This is the Barry Jenkins adaptation of the novel on Amazon, and this is just like. As I said before, uh, when we talked about it for the show, it's just an incredible feat of cinema and storytelling. It's incredibly brutally honest. It's illuminating. It's it's terrifying. It's moving. It's it's profound. It's surreal. It is everything. And I think this will yeah. go down as one of the all-time greats. I really, all I can say is that I hope that it will have a long tail of appreciation and mm. more and more people will sort of like acknowledge and give due respect and honor and, and yeah. you know, applause for, for that legacy. And I don't know, this is like, it's truly just like earth shattering in a yeah, way. Yeah, it's, it's it's on its own little planet, honestly. Um, this is also one of my picks. Mm. I agree with everything that you're saying. I think the in the recent times of film directors going into TV, I think this is like a perfect example of how it's done and why it's so valuable for that crossover. I mean, many directors have been doing TV, but I think this is up there with Little Drummer Girl, which was a which was another limited series based on a book. Uh, with Park Chan Wook as the director for the, for the episodes. And those two, I think, just demonstrate exactly how such a thoughtful and meditative director can bring such a value. Uh, yeah, it's perfect. It's perfect. And I think the TV world should be honored by its existence. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Just hoping it gets more shine. Yeah. Although, I mean, the people who, who know, they know. So. Exactly. Um, And now moving on to my next pick, which I think Pillin and I also have this in common. (laughs) Uh, It was probably pretty obvious to anyone who knows us. Succession, season three. Yes. HBO, obviously. We did a special Succession episode recently with Judy Berman from Time, but we were not able to cover the final couple of episodes or the finale in particular, just because of the timing. So mm-hmm. just like going to use this opportunity to say that was one of the finest, most exciting season finales yeah. in recent TV history in yeah. my mind. Yeah. Um, I've never felt so giddy as I did at like some moments when things were unfolding, when yeah. revelations were occurring in that season finale. Yeah. That is just like what I hope all sorts of works of, uh, of TV or cinema or art Aiming can, do, can yeah. do to someone. Yeah. yeah like yeah. just really move you and and animate you and and fill you with bizarre kind of energy yeah i don't know that was just like 
Well, the last Fantastic. time I felt that was the end of season two. So <laughs> no, I, I completely agree. I think this is my favorite TV show of the year. And as long as Jesse Armstrong is making TV and doing four seasons, I'm probably going to pick his shit as my favorite mm. <laughs> of any given year. Yeah. Talk about, you know, the initial slow burn into the slow ramping up of events of character rumination and then it finally paying off in the last two episodes you know it's good when you're like i cannot wait to rewatch this and savor it in a different way like the entire season like i'm excited in a month's time two months time in that lull between the seasons that i can just rewatch these seasons all over again and just see everything from different perspectives yeah because they plant so much like these writers and jesse Armstrong, they're meticulous about setting things up that you know, viewers on a first time view, you know, we completely miss uh, yeah. often. And unless you're the kind of person who spends all day on Reddit picking apart these details looking for Easter eggs. Well, but, I mean, yeah. the, the the skill of it is that anything and nothing could be a sign. And it's, it's yeah. like that game that they are playing as writers of like showing a bit of ankle and then putting down the dress and showing a bit of ankle <laughs> and putting down the dress and then... By the end of the season, they've just ripped off the whole fucking dress and the tits are out. And everyone's like, oh my God, how could I have not seen this? That um, is a fantastic analogy. Thanks, babes. You know me. I, I love to show and <laughs> throw in a bit of tits in any given conversation. But yeah, it's just, it's so much fun. I think what I said to you after that season finale was, I'm so happy that we get to live in a time where this is live and we get to react to it live. Um, mm-hmm. can't wait to show my kids, <laughs> you know, like all of that <laughs> shit. I'm so, yeah, I'm such a fucking fangirl for this stuff, man. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Um, <laughs> so next up after succession, what's, uh, what's the next on your list? The next on my list is the other two, season two, which came out on HBO Max earlier this year. So we talked about the other two's first season a, a little while ago, but I have to say, like, everything I liked about the first season, I like even more about the second season, just dialed up even more. It's just a really kind of slyly funny, sharp, like perfect contemporary critique on like everything that makes up the trappings of fame nowadays, especially on online and social media and uh, celebrity, just like what it's like to be a millennial or a young adult, yeah. I think also right now. Yeah. And, it's not incredibly showy about how smart or dexterous it is mm. or how funny it is. Like, mm. it kind of creeps up on you in many ways. It does, um, yeah. Cause, and I've yeah. got to say, like, when you first talked about it, I was a bit lukewarm on it and I kept watching. Yeah. And as I kept watching, it is definitely a grower. It is yes. definitely yes. a grower. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll say the same thing about season two. Like, you might start it, you might be like, oh, it's, it's going okay so far, but... You know, it just gets better. And like the way that they talk about these siblings and family and like what fame does to people, how it corrupts them um, yeah. or or destroys them in, you know, methodical ways. Very, very smart. But also like it does it all in a very funny, comedic way. Yeah, yeah. Like this is like a, a true sort of like half hour comedy. And it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's really good. I'm, I'm glad that I think it seems like a lot more people were sort of taking notice of the other two mm-hmm. because of its latest season and like giving it some love on, on social media. So yeah, yeah, I, I'll have to put it there. Then as like boring as I might be making it sound right now. No, I'm going to tell you it's right not, now it's full of jokes. No, it's, it's really, so it's funny. really funny. It is so funny. I think the best kind of sitcom is also one that hides behind, like initially you think that it's really obvious in, in the joke play and the, and the comedy. And then the more you sit with it, the more it feels 
like oh these people are very smart like they the, the yeah. writers are very smart they know what they're doing and they're hiding mm-hmm. behind the obviousness and it just kind of creeps up uh season two is definitely a perfect example of that so just mm-hmm. yeah make your way through this and you will not regret it like i have not yeah. regretted it at all I <laughs> i'm glad i'm glad to hear that um all right pelon what about your pick next yeah so uh keeping on with that sitcom theme my next pick is we are lady parts which we Aww. talked about this year yeah, yeah. um mm-hmm. so this is my pick of a Brit- like i guess succession doesn't really count as british because it's a british american mm-hmm. production but i guess this is my pick for the u UK side of stuff. This is the half hour also sitcom comedy created by Nida Manzoor. It was on Channel 4 and uh, we can watch it over in America on Peacock. So this is basically about the creation of an all-Muslim girls punk band and you kind of go into the different versions of how these women approach their culture, their faith, uh, themselves and how that all fits into it. But it really just such a refreshing show for me man like I, I think this can go so wrong you know in terms of whether it's like Middle Eastern or Muslim representation in TV it has been very very cringe and corny and I think you know I'm just so happy that Brits are the ones that kind of like took this under their helm um, and I think Nida Manzor has just done such an excellent job and it, we recently got the news that it's being renewed uh, for season two which is excellent news because season one de- definitely did leave you wanting more But yeah, the humor is super dry, super witty. It does not take itself seriously. It is not corny. Uh, But yeah, this is, uh, it's very special to me, this one. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Good pick. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Next up, Jen, (laughs) take it away, babe. So another one that we have discussed in the show, this is The White Lotus for me. So this is on uh, HBO, obviously. This is... Mike White's uh, miniseries, although I guess it's being turned into an ongoing series, yeah. but about the guests of that resort in Hawaii uh, and how they interact with each other and how they interact with the staff and just like really dark, really funny in some ways, really, mm-hmm. I don't know, it says something. And I know that this is, it got kind of annoying in that it was drenched in discourse at the time that Yeah, it was definitely was a moment streaming. in the culture for sure. Yeah. yeah. But I think leaving all that behind, I think it was a good show. Yeah. I like, I like Mike White. I like his sensibility. I like what he tries to do with, with all his works, his like, sort of sly slyness and how he uh, makes that happen through mm. everything that he does this is just it's still it's a good show it's like a a sun-drenched parable for our times yes yeah if this was a play it would work out great as well speaking of uh the way yeah. that, the way that it felt as i was watching it it definitely felt like a play which i, mm-hmm. I appreciate a lot yeah, it's yeah, a good one. You had all the acts. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's next? What's next for you, Pellin? So this might be a bit of a controversial one because I haven't seen the whole series and it just came out with its first three episodes. But my next pick is Station Eleven, which just literally just came out on HBO. First three episodes, and they're releasing it as like a three, two, two, then one. It is, oh, okay. uh, yeah, it's a limited. It's a limited series that's based on the book by um, Emily St. John Mandel. It's based on it, but it does not stay true to the book. I have read the book. Oh, nice. Yes. So it does deviate. But the reason why I picked this is partly because of the showrunner, who is Patrick Somerville. He used to be a writer on The Leftovers. I am a huge Leftovers fan. 
I even like season one. Fuck you, everybody. <laughs> um, but he also is the showrunner for Made for Love, which we talked about uh, before oh, with, yeah. with Alison Herman. But the theme surrounding this, and because I know how the book goes, and because I know what the takeaway of the book is, I know this is going to be one of my favorites of the year. Like, I just know wow. it. Um, okay. And I've watched the first three episodes, uh, loved them. They are directed by Hiro Murai, who also directs Atlanta. And yeah, I just, um, it's a tough hang, I think, because it's about a pandemic. The book, oh. if you have not read the book, it is about mm. a pandemic that is uh, remarkably worse than the one that we are in. And it goes between that, you know, obviously when the pandemic first broke out into 20 years ahead, into maybe 20 years behind the pandemic breaking out, it just kind of flits back and forth timelines and just a great cast, well directed. And I am very particular to themes about the world ending. Um, I'm very particular to themes about grief. And I think, you know, that's Patrick Somerville's like thing. I, I'm just excited. I hope I'm not wrong about this. I just ha I just feel it in my bones that this is probably one of my favorites of of the year. And uh, if not, drag you me. Can't be wrong. You can't be wrong about it. I mean, there's it's fine. It's all subjective. Yeah. Um. And then last up for the both of us, Jenny. What's what's the last one in our top five? Yeah, we're closing out uh, our TV picks with Made mm. on Netflix, yes. which we also talked about uh, somewhat recently. Yeah. So this is. A really clear-eyed, considerate and careful and just like really smart approach to depicting poverty, the, the cycles and traps of poverty and abuse and how one young woman tries to build a new life for herself, um, in spite of all this with her, her young daughter. I mean, there are some shows that you know you're going to come back to time and time again. Yeah. And some that you watch once and it's enough and it's enough in, on multiple levels. It's enough because you don't want to revisit it, but it's also enough because it literally, it did everything and more that it, it promised to yeah. do. And yeah. I would say that made for me falls more into that latter c category. Um, yeah. I don't think I will rewatch this for pleasure, but no. you know, what I did see, like, it was just so well done and so, I don't know, not sympathetic, but just like very, had a lot of clarity as to what it was doing and what it was trying to say and mm -hmm. how it was going to accomplish that. And I, I really admire that in yeah. this work. Yeah. I mean, the only reason why I'd probably rewatch it is to see how an episode was written because I think the yeah. writing on the show is so expertly done. The way that it uses, you know, graphics on the screen, the way that it uses different visual cues to communicate whatever it's trying to communicate. Just really well done. And again, tone is is interesting with this one. It does not take mm -hmm. itself too serious. I think this is, we talked about this. This is one of our favorite things about it. Is it just it's very serious, but it knows the moments of levity and why they're necessary. So yeah, just just a fantastic uh, a fantastic limited series. Once again, we love our limited series on this podcast. Mm -hmm. Huge shout out to Margaret Qualey. I think this is a star making performance, and I hope that we see her in more stuff. Um, I'm I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will. But yeah, this is us. Speaking of another TV show, but this, <laughs> this is us. This is us um, for, for this year. Just like the film stuff, we will have a list of honorable mentions. So I just I just noticed that we, <laughs> classically for us uh, as book readers, there are a lot of films and TV shows that are based on books that we like. But I did want to do a little bonus bit 
for you in terms of what was your favorite book that you read this year? Ooh. Ooh. Some, adding some literary sprinkles here and yeah, there. Yeah, you know, and I think <laughs> I think both of the books that we've picked actually did come out this year. So we are keeping true to the format. Um, yeah. Yeah. But what was what was your pick uh, in terms of the your favorite book that you read this year, Jenny? Well, I am a lapsed book reader. I love reading. I just often don't read um yeah, but I'm this sure many this, people yeah. will relate <laughs> yeah yeah but this uh this novel that i'm i'm gonna talk about it's what got me back into reading again mm. i think this year after a bit of a dry spell Ooh, love those uh it's piranesi by Susanna clark mm. uh so this is Su- Susanna clark's i believe her second novel after a very long break and this is the first novel of hers i read but it is really, really fantastic. Mm. Just, uh, it's a fantasy novel, but it's sort of, it's not like a high fantasy, epic fantasy. It's kind of like a contemporary mystery, surrealist, like, uh, that kind of fantasy. It is just really full of a lot of wonder, uh, and a little bit of the eeriness that you get from that as well. Mm. Um, so for anyone who likes, in-betweens like uh imagining different worlds that you can sort of slip into uh and likes a little bit of mystery and just a whole lot of world building for a world that probably none of us will ever see but it's just it's it feels so lifelike like you could reach out and it's right there uh this this novel i think is is gonna gonna help you get over your dry spells yeah i mean i have the copy and i want it to be the last book that i read because I, I just okay. I just finished one and I'm I'm about to start another so I'm I'm timing it so that I'm like as soon as like December thirty first I would have read it um and then kind of left it as that so oh, I, nice. I have it safe <laughs> interesting plan I know okay. I'm I'm weird like that sorry um, <laughs> <laughs> um my book of this year is Rachel Cusk's second place so this is mm. her first novel that she has written after the outline trilogy which is by far her most famous i think it's, it's kind of yeah. like what made yeah. her kind of rise up into fame she's written a lot like before outline but i think outline is the thing that everybody knows her for now it was certainly my entry point for her she is now one of my favorite writers of all time um wow. and i think i might be wrong but i think she wrote a second place in quarantine and published it in quarantine like uh, during the pandemic so mm. you know it's it's about a woman that has a guest house and invites artists and uh, uh, one particular artist that she's been a little bit obsessed with arrives and obviously things go awry from there. Um, mm. But it's not overtly a pandemic book, but it's a pandemic book. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, I, at least the themes, the feelings. Yeah, and, yeah. like I, I think if someone was to be like, do you remember reading any books during quarantine or during the pandemic? I'd be like, yeah, I remember. Like, because it just, it matches the mood of mm-hmm. of how I felt. But as long as Rachel Cuss released a book, I'm probably gonna say it's my favorite one <laughs> each time wow. she releases it. So huge. I really huge gotta like I was telling you, Pelin, like uh, before we were recording, I was like, it's kind of weird that I've never read a Rachel Cusk book. Like it just is one of the It'd be like that big, sometimes, dude. Yeah, yeah. Just like I miss that entire everything that has to do with Rachel Cusk. All I know is People fucking love her. She is a literary star. Yeah. Everyone I know reads her and likes to talk about how much they read her. So yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna check out the outline trilogy. Yeah, as, as you yeah, check it, it out. Me. I mean, for me this year, my huge blind spot was uh, Kazuo Ishiguro. Oh, like, it, okay, it's huge blind spot. But then I read I read like three of his books this year, which. If we were talking about like my favorite novelists as well, I think he's also because I think the remains of the day 
was amazing. Mm. Like, that's also one of my favorite books of all time, I think. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I just really didn't know until I did, basically. And then I just, like, because <laughs> I do this thing where, I like, I read one book and then I just buy three of the books that they've written. And then I yeah. just, just do them back to back. It's kind of how I watch films as well. Like, I'll watch one from a director and then I'll watch the other films that they've made. Um, it's fun. It's fun to go through someone's body of work. So yeah, start off with, uh, start off with the outline and let me know what you think. Cause I think I said to you, you either like her or you don't. So I'm hoping mm-hmm. you do, <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. I have a lot of books on hold, so yeah. I'll, I'll get to it eventually. Shout out to the Libby app, which you introduced me to. So yeah, I, if anyone is a, a library, uh, member anywhere, uh, download the Libby app if you don't want to get physical books. Yes. It's truly transformed the way I read. And this sounds like an advertisement, but it's not. I just like, I don't know, spreading the gospel. Of, <laughs> hey, of unless Libby app. Uh, Libby app people, if anyone's listening <laughs> and you want to give us money for some ads, just let us know. <laughs> like, Sure, sure. We're not opposed <laughs> to that. Um, um, amazing. <laughs> so I guess that is it for us. Yes. That covers movies, TV shows, books even. Yeah. That is more or less a summary of our 2021 this is the last episode of ours of 2021. Mm-hmm. We are taking a break next week, so there will not be an episode. But as Pellen mentioned, uh, use that time to spend time with family and friends if you can. Sleep more. Watch everything that you missed this year. Watch, Catch up on all of our, our picks that you haven't seen yet. Yeah. Uh, just like, I don't know, try to take some time yeah, for brush, brush up, Brush up on your Shakespeare. Read Macbeth again. Yeah. Just so that you're well prepared yeah. for the for the film. Yeah, why not, man? <laughs> like, not? Shakespeare's amazing. Speaking of Shakespeare, like, Station Eleven has a huge Shakespeare over theme, which is another reason mm. why I love it. But yeah, get, get back into it, man. Get back into the stuff that you used to do when you were younger, which was just feed your mind you know feed your mind what a beautiful feeling indeed so as our last episode of the year we can just say take this opportunity to to sort of thank you everyone who has been listening to us this year and not only listening but sending us recommendations like engaging with us on social media (laughs) like sharing us with your friends and and everything. I don't know. This is like first full year, I guess, that we have been mm-hmm. doing this. Like we started this in fall 2020. Yep. So this is like really the the first real test of a year. And yeah. we did the whole year. We did we, it. We stuck around for uh, one, one plus year, yeah. which is kind of amazing. And it has been the highlight of my weeks just to kind of like chat to you, Jenny. And I just want to say thank you for being the best <laughs> podcast co-hostess. Oh my god! And also well, being a fantastic friend. Thank you for your patience with my absolutely batshit texts that I send to you sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you for being by my side. I oh love you god. very much, and can't wait for Fuck. next year as well. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no. Thank you. Thank you as well. I honestly like we we talked about doing this podcast a while, but I. I never would have like actually done it if you hadn't pushed for it. Like you really, you you made this happen. Thanks, babe. And I am also glad that we could deepen our our friendship yeah. through this, and also just like share our uh, pretty okay slash good taste. We have great other, so. taste. What the fuck are you talking about? We have fantastic <laughs> right. taste. I would I would argue that we have some <laughs> of the best tastes around, baby. Wow. Yeah. Okay, just name it. Make us like cultural tastemakers. Yeah. Like, that can be our full-time job. Yes, exactly. Um, That's all I'm trying to do, really. <laughs> yeah. 
So thank you, thank us, and and thank thank everyone who is listening to this right now. Yeah. If you haven't uh, already fast forwarded and, and ended this episode, <laughs> but we will Amazing. see you in the new year, yes. 2022. While we are hanging around, we still want to hear your thoughts. We have been getting some recommendations. If you have been watching anything that you think we should check out over the break, please. Let us know at criticismisdead at gmail.com. You can at us or DM us. We will unfortunately still be on our phone, so we'll be seeing those. And we are on Twitter and Instagram. We are criticismisdead, all just one word. For extended show notes, including links to everything we've been talking about, including all of our honorable mentions, please uh, subscribe to criticismisdead.substack.com. As always, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for a whole year of uh, just listening to us babble on. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend about us. Thank you so much. And we will see you next year. I did it. (laughs) I did it. Nice. See you all next year. Criticism is Dead is produced by Pelin Keskin Lu and Jenny G. Jung. Our music is by Rika. Our artwork and design are by Sarah Macias and Andrew Lu.